This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Movement. You know Movement as the company that revolutionized the watch industry, and now they've done it again, but this time with sunglasses. With lots of styles to choose from, you're sure to find the right pair. Right now, our listeners get 15% off with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMT.com slash BCPod. That's MVMT.com slash BCPod for 15% off your order. Today's show is also sponsored by NatureBox. With over 100 delicious options to choose from, NatureBox delivers high-quality, healthy snacks right to your door. Head over to naturebox.com slash batchristian today and receive three free snacks with your first order. That's naturebox.com slash batchristian for three free snacks with your first order. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, one. Jelly biscuits. Jelly, jelly, jelly. Jelly biscuits are so good. Bad Christian Podcast. Once you just go to Bojangles and get a jelly biscuit or what? No, Jess made uh Jess made made from scratch homemade biscuits and they Damn. were just delicious i actually had an egg and bacon one but it Ooh, was that just, sounds good it was amazing it was good. amazing now that made me feel really good now here's the weird thing today uh i took the kids out and then on the way back jess was at work i just had ike and june and on the way back i saw her car driving i was like what is she not doing at work and i immediately thought she might be cheating like i just saw that I, I i am joking a little bit but there was a seven percent I mean, it was like, I wonder if Jess has been cheating on me. And, you know, she gets, because today she was supposed to get all alpha work at 1230. But then all of a sudden she texted me and said, oh, I got to stay till 230. And I was like, oh, mm, okay. You know, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think anything of it till I'm riding around and see her car drive by. Now she swears it wasn't her, but who do I believe? I mean, who do I believe? She's never once cheated or shown anything like that. Nothing, I mean, she's one of the most honest women I've ever met. But do I believe it? Well, I mean, people. <laughs> I don't. A, a, anytime you've ever seen somebody, what's the first thing they say? I never would have guessed it was them. That's right. I never would have guessed That's they right. would have done it. I no mean, she fits way. that. She fits well, that perfectly. Let me tell you how, why I'm sure my wife's cheating on me. Um, why? Because she won't permanently share her location from her iPhone. <laughs> where, which I read because I tell her that could save her life. Whether oh, she gets in a car are, wreck yeah. or whatever. I, I say because she asked me to share my location sometimes if I'm out doing something. I say okay, and I say. Also, right. just leave that on. That way, you can yeah. always see where I am because I ain't got nothing to hide. Now she doesn't like <laughs> right. it. She turns her. I'll check, and she's turned hers off, so she's no longer sharing location. So I'm certain, yeah, hundred ninety nine point nine percent, she's cheating. Right. So that's the only. That's the only logical conclusion. Does she have codes on her phone? Like to get into it? Like do you, does she have to have a code? It's Fort Knox, baby. Yeah. No, I know it's the same thing. That, actually, yeah, that's that's, that's the counterpoint. Too. You can almost be certain that your spouse isn't cheating if it's if you have a wide open phone policy. That's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. You know, but I can understand people want more privacy than that. But whatever. Some Toby, reason I was, too, I don't totally trust people that have uh, lock number locks on their phone. I don't totally trust them. I feel like they might be hiding something. Like I, I, I had one on my phone for a while. I was like, nah, I just can't do this. I, I'd rather somebody be able to just whatever it is. <laughs> I, I just don't trust it. What, what do you need it for? What's the big I secret? I agree. You know what I mean? What's the big? Joey, do you have a lock on your phone? 
Yes, I do. Oh, God. That, I mean, this is, is it could it be any more clear? It could be any I more mean, clear. A pastor, <laughs> I bet every pastor, every pastor has, does. Every of pastor they has do. a, lock, <laughs> no, a number oh, lock on the door. knows my code. Devin's is like, she I mean, Matt, uh, Devin. Joey's is like uh, probably 10, 12 digits. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's, got a, yeah it's, it's a hard one my to My kids know my code. That's why I got to change it. But, um, hey, the the good me, thing, tell, I'm I'll, sorry, Joey, last thing I want to say about you is Joey is, is certain for 100% that Priscilla is not cheating on him. And you know how you know that? How? There's no such thing as cheating in an open marriage. No, oh, that's true. <laughs> Dude, no, I, mean, it's, I did not want people so to know that's, about that's that. So that's that's the easy way out. That. So, yeah, that is I a benefit of open marriage. You can't cheat. No, but we talked about this right. last week. Right. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I open marriages you know, could be fun. I think it could be detrimental. Open marriage could be detrimental could for be. sure. Yeah, yeah. But there's but. a decent chance. <laughs> I mean, if you just look at numbers and statistics only, the decent chance. Less cheating, right? <laughs> Less cheating. You don't even hardly talk to each other. You go out on dates more. Everything mm -hmm. about it. Now, Isn't that what every pastor says? Go out on dates. you got to go out on dates for the family and for the kids. Now, I will tell you anyway. this before we move on. Uh Open marriage, I know mathematically and logically that it's a bad idea, it, just to clean it up for everybody here. Here's yes, why it cannot work, because let's just say you have a normal marriage and you decide together to go open marriage. Okay, fine. Yep. Now, what are the chances that that's going to work out exactly 50-50? Both people get the exact amount oh. of what they want. It you know what I'm saying? It, For sure, yeah. it's going to go 49%, 50%, 60%, 80%. There's going to be one person that's the beneficiary of the open marriage. You don't know which one it is when you enter into it, and there will be someone in the open marriage that is to their peril. It's not likely yeah. it's just going to end up 50-50. That's, that's the problem with it. I, I mean, think about this. You're Joey or you're Priscilla. Which one is going to find a person quicker? <laughs> I mean, Priscilla doesn't have to try. Our wives yeah. don't have to. They All they have to do is just it's, walk maybe 100 yards. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. not. I mean, it just maybe. I mean, that's all just true. All they have true. to do is, is, is stop shutting down all the unwanted advances. I know. Right. <laughs> That's all they have to do, right? I mean, I, I, they I have actually, to do less. They just start doing less, and they'll have sex right. more. Whereas if, if I started open marriage today, I'd be like, okay, here we go. And then maybe sometime yeah. in the next six weeks, I could pull something off, right? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it'd be maybe. 60 minutes for them, yeah. So leave it, leave it to me to take this a, to a biblical place. Oh, <laughs> Lord. But here, here's the thing. This is what I don't understand is – Outside, so we don't even have to talk Bible. We can just talk higher level of authority. Like if you believe in some sort of a supernatural system in place. Outside of that, I totally understand open marriage because, like, if you reduce humanity to animals that have mm -hmm. a sex drive and they just like to stick it in different places, and oh yeah, I, I, mean, I, mean, I love this. <laughs> I mean, use this for the like, sermon. Like, <laughs> is that you, how you would preach? <laughs> no, no. Just in stick fact, it in. <laughs> is that how I preach, Toby? I was actually telling Matt and Reva before you got here that Reva, I, I mean, I like Reva. I'd consider her a friend. Are we super tight? No, but she's Ouch, definitely, sorry, Reva. She's, she's definitely in the top 10 of people that have heard 
the worst possible things come out of my mouth ever. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's a short list. That's like my wife. But I don't know. Maybe Reva has heard worse than what my wife has ever heard. Yeah. You're making yeah. Reva feel sentimental. She really appreciates that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that necessarily speaks to your closeness with Reva be, simply because when you said horrible stuff that she's heard, it's all, most of the time been a time you didn't know she was listening. <laughs> we thought you were just talking to me and I was on speakerphone or on Skype and you didn't know she was in the room. Hey, I'm but. telling you, one of those times, I mean, I, I just, Reva, I hope this doesn't offend you, I felt so horrible. <laughs> like, I know Reva's chill and everything, but I was like, I wish that had not come out of my mouth. I did not know she was listening. I apologized a bunch of times, but oh well, it's one of those things. But <laughs> well, hey, see, but now Reva's culpable if, is the problem. She now she has is complicit, so she has your best interest. She she has unlimited things she could tell people about you that could get you in trouble or fired or whatever. She probably has tape and video of it, but she's complicit <laughs> in the fact that she's continued to work in this workplace environment. That is for so, so long. true. Like if if, if Reva if Reva had a break a mental breakdown and Matt you pissed her off at the same time. She could go crazy on YouTube. <laughs> you want to see what these guys say behind the scenes? Hey, hey I saw I saw that coming. I've created an entire B-roll of Reva, like picking her nose, saying bad things, doing terrible. We've stuff. We've got plenty of dirt on her. Yeah, yeah. No, don't, 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 let's don't even pretend. She goes on the I, she goes on the tour bus too. She, we got plenty of dirt on her. Here's the thing, like I, I know, and, and we're even going to get into this, but uh, with with the interview, but. Can't we respect Reva enough that she can handle it? Like, uh, if we hey. tell an off-color joke or something bad, yeah. she's smart and uh, witty and funny and has a good sense of humor to where she can either take it or leave it. Or it's not like she's offended just because she's a female. Mm -hmm. like, I that's agree. The that's the thing I, that's, that, well, it's a little dangerous, isn't it? Like, I, oh, I can't talk to Reva like that because she's a lady. I, I agree. Girl. I agree. But she's a lady. What, what I said one of those times is just a deeper level of filth that I Which wouldn't everybody say. would say you just shouldn't have said. However, yes, <laughs> it would be the yes, easiest exactly. way to handle that. Not exactly. in fact. You in fact, this is a really it. good setup for our episode today. So I'll just move us on because we got some really good okay. stuff coming up. But that's exactly something to, for people to spin in their mind. There is is that notion of is it not. The issue almost ostensibly comes out as because there's a female involved or present, now things need to change, which is inherently making it about them when everybody knows whatever nasty shit you're saying, you just shouldn't have said. And, right. now it's, and now it becomes an issue about females and what we do, either delicate for them or what they do, it's their fault. We, that's, that's kind of what we're going to discuss today in a couple of these interviews, in these two interviews yeah. that we're going to do. So I don't want to get into the commentary of it. Uh, I suppose it's better to at least involve some women in the conversation. So we won't belabor it too much. Yeah, but but uh, what are we doing today? Or right, go ahead, Joey. Yeah, so basically we actually have a guest that was awesome to welcome back. I think she was on one of the first 10 episodes and really was somewhat instrumental in our early exposure because it was a way, it was a highly downloaded episode. She is an ex-porn star, and her name is Brittany. It was Ruiz. I don't know if I said it right, but now it's a different last name, and I forgot. So she'll introduce, her, <laughs> she'll introduce herself on there. Can't pronounce the old name. Don't remember the new one. Anyway. <laughs> but we basically talk about modesty. Uh, with, with her, I talked to her about modesty and causing guys to stumble by what we wear because there was a pretty cool article uh, that came across that I came across. It was basically just like, I'm not taking responsibility for guys 
and they're stumbling and bouncing their eyes and stuff, I'm going to wear a bikini for crying out loud. You know, American guys are cultured to be so freaked out about boobs and butts for crying out loud, and that's not my fault sort of thing. And then Matt, take yeah. away with who you well, So Joey did that, and he goes, I got, I got so 20 really good minutes with Brittany on this, and I thought it was really interesting. And, I, you know, I won't color what it is, but I think you found her cons- kind of a conservative at least a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And then I went yeah. and listened to the interview, and I felt, that, I felt like, wow, I'd like to get a different point of view on this. Um, I, I, although I thought you did a good job with that piece of tape. And and so I asked Candace from the Free Sex Podcast to come by the office, which was she came by last night, actually. And we did we discussed the topic, too, so, so to go in tandem with you speaking to Brittany about it. And so Candace and I didn't stick to the topic of clothing and modesty uh, entirely. We, we just floated on, had a, a good conversation about modesty, what, it, what, what women feel like, and what is it shaming, and blah, blah, blah. And it, 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 we wound up talking about just sexuality and the church and stuff like that. But very yeah. good conversation on the topic, and was glad to hear from both of them. So, so yeah, let's just play these pretty much back to back. We won't check in between them or anything like that. They'll just sit okay. as they are. Sounds good. So we'll take a second here and tell you about Movement Watches, and then I'll take it, then we'll do this interview, and then we'll tell you about maybe another sponsor, and then you'll hear episode the interview with Candace from the Free Sex Podcast. Let me just say that the Free Sex Podcast is on the Bad Christian Network. You can find it at badchristian.com. She does it with another friend of hers, Katie, and uh, it's an interesting podcast that I would recommend that you check out. You guys know Movement? Well, they're the company that reinvented the watch business by selling direct to you with over a million watches sold today. And you know that. We talk about them on the podcast a lot. We have Movement Watches. They're this good stuff. So they know what they're doing already. Well, guess what? They did it again, except this time they did it with sunglasses. They were tired of having to pay for cheaply made throwaway shades. Or, on the other hand, y'all know how this is, overpriced designer sunglasses. So they said, screw it. We'll make our own. And they said, we'll just do it starting at 70 bucks, which is great. So we went on the website. Me and my wife sat down and looked through, and we both got a pair. I, I was able to find a pair I like really quickly. Now, she's a little more picky, you see. My wife is the kind that likes the designer sunglasses. I'm more of a throwaway guy, but there's problems with those because they're cheaply made, and they're not, even, they're not even good sunglasses. Well, my wife, she likes the nice stuff, but she was able to find some she really liked on the website. Okay, so we order them. Okay, now they come. She's thrilled with them. I'm thrilled with them. She looks great in them. The things are awesome. And they just starting at $70, that's uh, amazing because they, they compete with her designer sunglasses that she typically likes to have. So I'm quite happy with the discovery here about movement. Um, these things are high-quality premium acetate frames. There's no cheap plastic here. you got to see these. They've got... Lots of styles to choose from, too. They have, like, classic stuff. They've got new trendy stuff. They, they just have aviator stuff, which is what I like. Mirrored, polarized for him and for her. There's, I mean, for sure you'll be able to find the right pair. Uh, what they figured out was that by selling them online, they're able to cut out the middleman, just like the watches. They cut out the retail markup, and they provide the best possible price. And again, they start at just seventy dollars with the option to upgrade to polarized. These, you know, you know the uh, the overpriced designer brands. They they run you upwards of two hundred dollars. So you're in the right territory with these. Highly recommended from me, from my wife. And here's what I got to tell you: you can get fifteen percent off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com/bcpod. You know movement for how they revolutionized the watch industry. Now. 
is the time to check their sunglasses. Go to movement.com slash bcpod. That's mvmt.com slash bcpod. Join the movement. All right. So I, I want to actually say we are back with Brittany, but we have Brittany with a new last name. So I want to congratulate you on, on getting married. I think you were on this podcast back in 2014. And so you got married last year, correct? Yes, last year I did. Awesome. And and you married someone that preached a sermon uh, uh, just like a year before. How, how Tell us that story real quick. So in 2013, um, I got invited to the uprising. It's a young adult ministry at our church, Cornerstone Church of San Diego. And um, as I'm sitting in he said, I have a word just for the women right now. I want you to know that you are a woman of God and that uh, if your man is not treating you as a woman of God, he needs to step up or step out, show him the exit sign because you're worthy of real true love and you're worth the wait. And the, um, in that moment, God started to speak to me because I was dating another guy that brought me to Cornerstone Church. And he was encouraging me to get back into stripping because I just left the porn industry and I was looking for a job. And I, it, I, I was having a little bit of a difficulty finding one for a couple months. Um, and so in that moment, God said, he's not treating you as a woman of God. You deserve better than this. He's encouraging you to get back into the strip club, dump him, break up with him, <laughs> kick him to the curb. And so I, I did exactly what God told me to do. And I broke up with this guy and I did the purity ceremony at church. and. Yeah. Um, from that point, um, I said, God, I just want to stay single for an entire year so I could get to know you. And over that year, God just became my best friend and I fell in love with him. And then I also fell in love with the man that preached that message. And we started dating after my year was up and then we got married, I think like a year or so later, Um, almost a little less than two years later. That's, that's one of those messages, you know, me being a pastor where, Every message you teach, you you know, you get off the stage or wherever you were, and you're thinking, man, I hope that was good. But that's got to be one message. He's certainly glad he did a good job with, man. He got a <laughs> wife out of it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was truly a life-changing message for me. That's awesome. Well, congratulations to both of y'all. So, Brittany, we have been as three Southern boys that grew up in the Bible Belt and uh, at least two of us in very fundamentalist sorts of church upbringings. There's a lot of stuff that we are learning, a lot of stuff that we're trying to shed ourselves from. And one of the most recent things that have been going on in my brain, and, and so I'll just say very Uh, public that I'm still trying to figure it out. I really don't know where I need to be, how I need to change, uh, just the different ways that I need to see this. But it basically boils down to modesty in females. So Mm -hmm. growing up, I mean, I was in churches where uh, women were not encouraged to wear pants because that gave a greater outline of their butts and legs. And, you know, that was just a no-no because there's dudes that could struggle and that sort of thing. So the tension that we're battling now is, you know, you get two guy, two Christian guys that are accountability partners and, you know, they have the whole bounce your eyes, don't take second looks. And most dudes when they're meeting for accountability, for instance, porn is going to come up, looking at women, it's going to come up. And so obviously, they're a part of the same church 
where a lot of women are a part of. You know, churches all over the place, men and women gather together. So if that's such a huge, crucial issue for guys, and they're constantly talking about being pure with their eyes, equally important are the women that they go to church with, swim in Mm -hmm. swimming pools with, hang out, you know, for barbecue with, go to Saturday night parties with. And so there's like this major emphasis on you've got to be careful with how you dress because you don't want to cause men to stumble. Right. I totally agree. Right. So you, you take that to uh, a certain level and now I'm a father of an 11 year old and a nine year old. And something that's been presented to me very recently that I just wasn't even thinking about is how do you have that sort of message in encouraging women to do any and everything they can not to cause uh, a guy to stumble? And I know some people would even disagree with making that such an emphasis, but how do you take that and at the same time not steer my daughters to feel conscientious about their breasts, for instance, or feel bad or shame that, you know, if they're out in the playground and they do a somersault and their shirt flips up or something that they're just not, oh my gosh, that was the most shameful thing ever. No, your body's not shameful. Your, Mm -hmm. Your boobs, for instance, those are not shameful things. That's something that God created you with. How do we deal with this like that's that's a lot of heavy stuff that we have to navigate and I'm finding myself as a father I got I I need to figure this out because I would land on you're not leaving this house with you know that skirt that's up to your knees or you're not leaving this house I can see cleavage and stuff but I I gotta Mm -hmm. figure out how to do that and at the same time not make them feel bad about their bodies Oh yeah. It's definitely not meant to be a shameful thing. And I didn't even realize that, you know, women could relate modesty to feeling shameful about their bodies because the way that I see it is that our bodies are such a beautiful thing. Like God created us to, you know, be able to be intimate with our husbands. And that's what it's meant for though. It's not a shameful thing whatsoever. It's just save it for your husband. Um, you know, the Bible is very clear about not, um, you know, leading another man to like, don't lead somebody into stumbling, don't lead them into sin. And so it's been my conviction since I left the porn industry and, and got into the church that, you know what, I need to be modest, not because I'm ashamed of my body. In fact, I actually, I love my body. Um, I take care of it. I eat healthy. I work out but it's meant for my husband. It's not meant to lead another man into sin. And so I, I take care of my body for myself and for my husband, but I keep that between us. And so, um, I, I would never want to be in church and wear something that could distract another man. Like if you're in a moment of worship with God and, and because of the clothes that I'm wearing, somebody's looking at me and not at God, then I would feel horrible because we're not there for me. We're there for God. Right. And so it's never meant to cause shame towards a woman. Love your body, embrace your body, whatever it looks like, curvaceous, thin, it doesn't matter. Like whatever your body looks like, embrace it, but save it for you and your husband. Right. So at, at, at what line do you draw, though? Because and and this, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be transparent and say that a lot of the questions that I have in comments, it will sound like I'm on the other end of the spectrum. But it's really because, OK, now I know where you're at. So let me 
tackle it from another angle because I'm really trying to figure this stuff out. So take men in the church that say, yeah, I have a really hard time seeing women in jeans. So <laughs> do do women just all of a sudden say, okay, let's just have a, a no jeans policy? I mean, because there's Mm-mm. there's definitely guys that are going to struggle at a certain level. And honestly, it's because you need to get daggum control of yourself a little bit here like we can't put this all on the ladies so where where do we draw the line if it's up to the women to dress modestly okay so job teaches that he made a covenant with his eyes and then we look at joseph when um when potiphar's wife like threw herself at him what did he do he ran. Yeah. So some of us, we need to practice self-control. We can't point the finger. The reality is, is that the church is a place for a broken, for the broken. So you are going to get women who are going to come in worse than just wearing jeans. You know, they might come in with low cut tops because God is still working on them. Yeah. So you as a, as a Christian man, you need to really um, embrace the self-control that comes with the Holy Spirit. And um, if you need to look the other way, look the other way. If you need to sit on the opposite side of the church so you're not close to that woman, do whatever you have to do to protect your purity because that's between you and God and you can't just point the finger at everybody. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So there, there's an article... Um, and I'll, I'll include this in the show notes if people want to refer to it, but this, this author, I need to include her name as well, but basically she says, um, the pushback against purity culture dies right then and there because no woman wants to challenge the idea that men can't actually control themselves. Basically she's talking about, you know, in a church setting where a guy says, yes, I, I, you know, I'm not you can't put all of this blame on women, but it certainly would help if they dressed a little bit differently. And so this writer, she says, so I'm, I'm going to be that woman. I'm going to stand up and look that man in the eye and tell him that his inability to control himself is not normal, healthy, or God-given, and I have no sympathy for his struggles, because I don't. I think more highly of men than that. And then she goes on to say, my husband didn't grow up in purity culture, He didn't grow up hearing that it's normal and healthy for a guy to struggle with not looking until the offending woman leaves the room. He didn't grow up hearing he couldn't control his sexual urges if he caught a glimpse of a woman's cleavage. He grew up around girls who wore bikinis to the beach and short shorts and tank tops. He grew up being able to look at a woman, notice parts of her body, even formulate a response like she's attractive or she's trying too hard, and then go on with his conversation uh, with her as if she's more than her butt and abs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she says he doesn't experience this all men's daily battle regarding women's clothing choices because he wasn't socialized to. Is there anything that we can do as a church socially in in addition? So it it sounds like you're you're definitely an advocate of women keeping this in mind. I think this author mm-hmm. of this article would would say no. This is not our responsibility. For crying out loud, men need to gain some self control. What if it's not just women? Um, dressing more modestly, what needs to be added to the equation when it comes to all of this? 
Well, okay. So I definitely agree with both. And when I say women dress more modestly, like when I'm discipling women and they want to come under me, that is what I'm going to teach them. Because I do believe that, you know, especially when you're in church, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be the the woman that is causing another man to stare at you rather than stare at God. Like that's the conviction that I have. I had millions of men stare at me in my past. And I just, I think because of that, God has given me such a conviction for it. But I do understand that there are women that are going to come into the church. When I first started going to church, I wore very low cut dresses. I didn't know any better. So in that case, when you're not a leader and you, maybe you don't know God and, and you haven't developed that conviction yet because you haven't been reading the Bible, the Bible is clear about modesty. So I do disagree with that woman. Um, but if you haven't got to that point yet, then that's fine. Like there's so much grace for you. And in that instance, I believe that, you know, the men do need to practice self-control, um, especially when they're at that level. I can understand a brand new Christian coming in hasn't been in God's presence, but I really do believe that the anecdote for the majority of our problems is God's presence, because yeah. the more time that you spend in God's presence, the more time you desire the things that come from God and the less time, the less you desire the things of the enemy. Um, and it's like, for instance, when I first married my husband, he was such a junk food junkie. Like he loved junk food, but I'm a health nut. So when I first started cooking for for him, you know, like healthy meals, he's like, what is this stuff? Are you feeding me bird food? I'm like, no love. That's quinoa. He's like, what is this stuff? Like that's spinach. Like he'd never had these things before, but now we've been married for almost two years. And now he requests these things. Hey love, do you think we could have like a little bit of extra vegetables I kind of splurged at lunch. And now he requests these things. He desires these things. You see, when you're in the presence of God, not just at church, but I mean, Monday through Sunday, you're seeking him individually, not just in the church, but in the privacy of your own home, you're going to begin to desire holiness. You're going to begin to desire purity. These things are going to be such a heavy desire for you that you can't even look at women and lust over them anymore. My husband, he is such a great role model to men. He did not um, have sexual intercourse, nor did he masturbate for seven years. Why? Because his purity mattered to him because it matters to God. He didn't look at pornography. He didn't look at any of that stuff. And, and, um, because he spent so much time in God's presence through prayer, reading the Bible and through worshiping God, God was able to cleanse him from all of that, which by the way, lust was a huge battle of his when he was in high school. He actually used to make pornography videos, not of him himself, but like download them and then sell them at school. Like lust was a battle, but God was able, because he put God first in his life in, in, on a daily basis, God freed him from that battle. God fought it for him and gave him such a pure heart that even if he does see a woman in a bikini, he can't lust over her. He just can't. It's not in his heart anymore. God cleansed him from it. So, so if everybody was like your husband and, and obviously we know that you know, everybody's different. Everybody's struggle Mm -hmm. is different. So given that this is not his particular struggle, if everyone was like that, then we wouldn't even be having this conversation because women not dressing super modestly wouldn't be a problem. So would, is, is the only, I mean, wouldn't it be accurate to say then that because men are not seeking God enough, women are having to pay the price by, 
you know, really being overly concerned with, with a stump being a stumbling block. And, and I think that's what I'm getting at here. And again, I'm, I am the learner here. I'm trying to figure this out, but it's like, it doesn't sit well with me that my innocent daughter, Rosa can just be sitting in a chair uh, with a bunch of people and her body be considered a stumbling block when she has done nothing to to flaunt it. So so just mm-hmm. someone at, like that message and, and my gosh, I was I was a youth pastor. So I would mm-hmm. potentially be that person that would come up to a completely ignorant, naive 14 year old girl and maybe with the help of a female leader, take her to the side and just say, hey, you know, that that stuff that you're wearing uh, is is not a great idea with these guys around and everything, not even thinking that I'm potentially sending just as much as a negative message as I am a positive message because she's hearing that as, oh, my body is bad. Oh, gosh, I didn't realize um, that. You know, so a female's yeah. body being a stumbling block w- – I just have to be careful because I'm still figuring this out and I don't know what to do with all of it. <laughs> I just think that um, you really have to look at the, like where somebody's at with God. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I would never go up to like a brand new believer and tell her to change her clothes. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, and and some people just aren't, they're not there and you have to just give those people grace. And if it causes a man to stumble, then you also have to question where his walk is with God. And I think that the reality is that this is all beyond the way a woman's dressing or a man lusting. And I think that a lot of it really does like boil down to how much time are you really spending in God's presence? Because if I spend time in God's presence every day, there's times where I put on an outfit and I'm ready to leave the house and the Holy Spirit says, don't wear that. Yeah. And I'm like, why? You know, I'm like, well, what? And, and so it's like, I have such a relationship with the Holy Spirit that he convicts me of certain things. And so when you do have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he'll say, Hey man, look the other way. Stop yeah. looking at her or Hey daughter, um, you're so beautiful. You don't need to show off your breasts like that. You don't need to show off all your curves. Like right. you're beautiful just the way you are. You could put on a little bit of a looser dress or a looser blouse. You know what I mean? And so, um, I think it really boils down to leading people into a relationship with God, as opposed to pointing out their sin and pointing out their faults. You know, the, when I say that, yes, I do disciple women in that way. I don't just right away. They're coming into my Bible study. And I say, Hey, you shouldn't wear that. No, it comes through relationship. So I'm building a relationship with them. They trust me before I'll ever speak a word like that into them. So now they love me. They look up to me. They trust me. And now they're saying, I don't understand why I tracked all these kinds of men. And I'll say, Hey, you know what? In life, if we don't like what we're attracting, then sometimes we need to change what we're promoting. And so if we're going to promote that, you know, our curves, or we're going to promote our breasts, then that's the first thing men are going to look at. So, so they're not going to, they may not be as interested in getting to know our heart or our mind. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, it comes through a relationship. I would never say, Hey, go point out her sin, her flaw, anything. Don't do that. Right. Like you just focus on loving this person, giving them grace and encouraging them to develop a relationship with the Holy spirit. And the Holy spirit will actually do most of the convicting. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, I think that as so as women are processing modesty and how they need to approach life, I think my goal as as a male is to be able to stand in front of a 
beautiful woman at the beach carry a conversation with her and her body not be an issue. And I think that as as guys, I think we go through different seasons where that seems way more attainable um, mm-hmm. and, and other seasons, maybe it doesn't. But I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely think you're on to something. If, if everybody had a lot of time in God's presence, then we wouldn't even need to be having a lot of this sort of discussion. But bottom line yeah. is we're not all in his presence as much as we should be. So yeah, I mean, it definitely his presence does, um, you know, make make it a lot easier for you to to be able to resist those types of temptation. But we look at like David, David was a man after God's own heart, and he still fell into sexual immorality. Right. So you know what I mean? It's like we all fall short to the glory of God. So if that's been, you know, men, and if that's been your battle, like don't beat yourself up. Don't be hard on yourself. Like we all individually have our own battles, you know, but just continue to stay accountable and continue to get into God's presence on a daily basis. And I do believe that one day you will overcome this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, we may need to get your husband on here as he's probably the, the masturbating champ, like seven years, <laughs> seven know, years. No. Like, <laughs> he, he's the he's... first, like, I never knew. I was like, wait, I, cause I came from the porn industry. So I was like, <laughs> I always wondered, I'm like, do guys, like, I'm not in a gross way, but like, do guys masturbate? Like, Cause in the world they do that, you know? And so <laughs> when I met my husband, he's like, no, you know? And I'm like, wait, what you didn't like to me, it was kind of shocking, you know, but he's a great role model because I know so many men do struggle with that. But yeah, my, my husband, it would be great for you guys to have him on. He has a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom, and, and I know he'd be open and willing to share that with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, late congratulations to both of y'all and uh, thanks for being on here and talking about this. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on again. I appreciate you. Awesome. All right. That was Joey talking to Brittany and uh, enjoyed that very much. Let me give take a real quick second and talk about Nature Box, and then we'll hear a uh, conversation with me and Candice from Free Sex Podcast. So I, like everybody I've ever met in my whole life says the same thing. They say, you know what? I really want to eat better. I really should eat better. And I, I say that, and I'm pretty sure that would describe you too, no? So the problem is when it comes to snacks, it just feels like the whole world's either like uh, uh, delicious but a billion calories or super boring, tasteless, like, you know, no point in even doing it. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can up your snack game with Nature Box. Nature Box has over 100 snacks that taste good and are actually better for you. All snacks are made from high-quality, simple ingredients, which means no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners, so you can feel good about what you're eating. So I'll tell you about a couple of the ones that I really like the best. I'll just tell you two of them. My favorite of all time is sriracha roasted cashews. I think nuts are a super healthy and good thing to eat, and I love a little kick from the sriracha. And if I want something a little chocolatey, you know, I like a dark cocoa nom-nom. Uh, my family likes There's a whole bunch more that my kids and my wife and, and everybody like. But there's a lot of good stuff. You're sure to be able to find your new snack obsession at Nature Box. They add new snacks every month. They're inspired by real customer feedback, um, the latest food trends, and professional chefs. So it's pretty simple. You just go to naturebox.com, and you choose the snacks that you want, and Nature Box will deliver them right to your door. So here's here's something about it that makes it special, too, compared to anything you get at a store or anything like that. It's so simple because they will, there's no risk. I mean, if you ever try any snack that you don't like, well, don't eat it. Nature Box will replace it for free. So if something looks good, 
order it. Comes to the house, you don't like it, no big deal. They'll replace it for free. And right now, you'll save even more. Nature Box is offering bad Christian fans three free snacks with your first order when you go to naturebox.com slash badchristian. That's naturebox.com slash badchristian for three free snacks with your first order. Naturebox.com slash badchristian. What did you used to think? I mean, you said that you used to be into modesty and think that was your job to tell me what you're saying about that. Well, I mean, especially at like church, right? Um, and, and after I got married, especially because my husband was a deacon, right? Uh-huh. I, I, I really believed that, that it was women's responsibility to watch what they wear mm-hmm. so that other guys don't look at you and you don't cause them to stumble. And, I think the reason I understood that was because I stumbled a lot, right? How did you stumble? Um, like with porn and stuff. Mm-hmm. And mostly like... This is interesting. So you were a deacon's wife, mm-hmm. and you believed that it was your job to be modest because of men? Yeah. I would say that. Well, Yes. And that was before I ever, like, admitted to my... Uh, wait, never mind. I won't go into that. Yeah, I would say that. It's because I didn't... I didn't want to make... I knew that thinking about having sex with someone else was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to take that on. But I also had really low self-esteem. So I always thought, no guy would ever look at me and want to have sex. So I had that going for me, and I knew that I had to dress appropriately and not show cleavage and not stick out my boobs. Like, But did you want to? I mean, when you get dressed, no. would you think, I would like to show no. my boobs? No, my can. posture has changed <laughs> dramatically uh-huh. in the past 10 years. 10 years ago, I slouched 50% more than I do now to hide my chest. Now oh, I don't bro, really whoa, care. Whoa, 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 hang on a second. And You're saying came... you had a chest, uh-huh. you have boobs, uh-huh. and you... Were trying to make sure nobody noticed them or saw yeah, them like, actively. Like that'd be a like, thought. You no, have, no, or? no, no. It wasn't even active. It was just an automatic. Like, I'm not gonna stick out my chest because I don't want to be sexual. So I'm just gonna cave down and be be small. What What do you do now? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's not like I go and wear like V cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I could. I wish I had smaller boobs so I could do that without having it look super like cleavagey. Yeah. But it's not like I even show my cleavage all the time. But I just walk a little bit taller. That's all it is. Uh-huh. I'm not ashamed of my sexuality. I'm not ashamed that I know that people but, are attracted to me. But you were. But I used to be, or uh-huh. I didn't want to be. I didn't think I was. No, a. I didn't uh-huh. think I was attractive. And two, I didn't want to bring any attention to myself. Uh-huh. So I just I learned how to be. Not attractive. And so much to the point that when someone told me I was pretty, I thought they were lying to me. Or Uh I would just dismiss it. Even my husband. Hmm. That sounds familiar. I guess I've heard that and seen that. And I guess that's the thing. And do you think that was... What part do you think that the church or the, the, the that mentality played into that? Do you think it was caused a lot by that? I think it was caused by family and culture and church oh yeah okay that's interesting three different all three different things things, yeah yeah. and i think it's mostly the idea of it's wrong to be sexual Mm -hmm. and it's wrong to feel any sexual feelings is it weird that it focuses on your job and your responsibility is this 
because of guys? Well, see, no, but it wasn't even, I didn't even think that way through. Like, I didn't even get there. Like, it, it stopped me way before I even had a chance to get to that point of, like, realizing that guys are going to stumble by looking at me. Mm-hmm. Like, it happened way sooner of, like, you yourself can't be sexual and you yourself can't be attractive. So just believe that. I'm not attractive and I'm not sexual. So I would just try to turn it off, turn it off, and I would just cover up. Turn it off. So you thought, if you thought you, that's a little confusing to me because you, you would try to hide, You would. I mean, essentially you're saying your posture was you would try to hide your chest. Mm-hmm. But well, why? If nobody cared or if you didn't think you were attractive, what, why, what, what were you trying to hide? I don't know. I did it way, like really soon. I did it sooner than I even had a chance. I did it before I had a chance to think about modesty culture. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it was, but it, it seems just, like you had. Well, see, that's what scares me. You know, having daughters and all this stuff is just. You're saying that you just inherently knew hide hide, these, yeah. hide this stuff because uh-huh. it is bad. Like uh-huh. it, like you thought your chest was bad though. I thought you I, must have thought. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. There, exactly. But. Well, that's the thing. It's all subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. It's not all about like. My boobs are bad. I'm going to hide them. But it's just this overwhelming overwhelming feeling that you just know in your gut, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Sexuality is bad. Mm-hmm. Masturbating is bad. You better hide that for a decade. Uh, well, you well, how about start with don't do it? <laughs> you just go straight to hide it, right? Right. Well, <laughs> see, that's the thing, too. I mean, because how many times did I try to stop? Mm-hmm. Hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And I would go, okay, that was the last one. I'm never doing it again. Uh-huh. And then you would mess up, right? You'd mess up right. a month later, and you're like, "Well, crap, I'm shit." Uh-huh. And so it's. I think it. I think it's. It's so tied in, and it in, oh, it man. weaves together so much more than we think it does. Mm-hmm. Like I think female sexuality weaves with that. It starts so young that if we are not careful with our daughters, they're also going to have to unravel some of this stuff later. So I think, well, of course, they are. I mean, the, the, there's a flip side of I guess what you're saying there. Like, I, like that's I don't even know if that's the norm. I don't know. I really I actually don't know. I don't know if anybody knows, but in the the Christian culture, the two things that seem to stick out a lot to me are maybe that, um, and then the that other one is a f- terrified to touch themselves or know what they even have down there. That's mm-hmm. a, that's one. That's that, the other side, right? right so yeah. It's another side. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, maybe you were masturbating and felt bad, and it was shamed in that way, or oh, I don't know what. I have no idea what you were really feeling or thinking, or if you're different biologically or something. Who knows? I mean, who knows? But there's a lot of, of women that just are terrified of their own genitalia and everything. Mm-hmm. They they are pretty sure that their body is a bad place. Mm-hmm. And and even when they get married and you know, it's still yeah. it's still something that is is they don't aren't comfortable with. No. And you know what's interesting though, when you say that, it's not like I was comfortable with it the whole time. Uh-huh. Ooh. So, um, so like just because I was sexual doesn't mean that I was comfortable with it or mm-hmm. proud of it. Or even aware of what was actually happening. like Complicated there. Yeah, like, I, I had to deal with a lot of the same stuff that women who have never masturbated had to deal with once they got married. Meaning, it's hard to orgasm with your husband. It's hard to enjoy sex. It's hard to get out of your head during sex. Mm-hmm. It's so much pressure. Because the whole Unsatisfied. topic is charged. Yeah. But, but the, that all, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it all starts that way, but I'm saying it feels like that all starts with 
high, be careful, you know, what you're telling a four-year-old. Like when I'm telling my four-year-old about her body and what boys are like, I feel like that's that's the beginning of it, and it seems really important. And then in youth group and mm-hmm. then beyond that. So that's oh why I'm God, trying to explore yeah. Absolutely. All, all this stuff. And what you said kind of reminds me of, of, the, of the guy point of view uh, a little bit, which is like, it's like if you masturbate or if you're doing something, it's, it's like you, you create the taboo so strongly mm-hmm. that it's, if I see a woman, a woman bare chested or with cleavage, then I have something crazy has to happen because I'm so, I'm so avoiding it mm-hmm. and dealing with it that then only when I'm by myself as a seventh grader in the bathroom, then I can unload. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some real component to whatever you suppress comes out. Right. only hidden right. that 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 concerns me too mm-hmm. that that's most guys experience i think I, I don't i can't speak to women that much but most guys experience is repress 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 <laughs> okay now here we go this is what I, now i had to deal now i'm going to deal with this tonight or whatever and that and there the cycle goes <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, there yeah. so I don't, I don't and i don't know what it would be like if it wasn't that way exactly and then to some degree that's still still feel that way yeah I just kind of want to go back though because when you when you texted me and said modesty culture, I had to ask for clarification mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I didn't know what you meant. Mm-hmm. Like I do know kind of that the church wants you to not dress slutty or not dress provocatively so that men you're not going to cause any other men or women to stumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we've just sexual sexualized it so freaking much, even more so than like what Paul was meaning to say in First Timothy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even talking about don't show cleavage, don't show boobs. He was just saying don't make it a fashion show when you come to when you come to church, mm-hmm. right? Because all the women were dressing extravagantly. They were trying to bring attention to themselves, and I don't think it was sexual. I think it was just it's turned into that. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, I, I, there's that, which is a scripture, and there's lots of other scriptures that are used, but it doesn't, it's not, it's not based on scripture, in my opinion. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's what it mapped onto or, 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 uh, aftermarket put scripture into is right, just right, that right. thing to me mm-hmm. because, and I'll tell you the biggest reason I think this is because I'll tell you who nails being modest, the Muslims. They're not, they don't use our scripture. Yeah. They don't use the New Testament, I don't think, do they? Right? Okay, so they don't use the New Testament, and they're they're killing it on on women being modest. So is that what we want? No, it, aren't that's... they doing it better than us? Should we go more that way? No. Okay, why not? Because it, it's so it's so like there's no freedom in dressing head to toe covered. Yeah, like, but men like, no but men don't that. can't stumble if they're covered to their eyes. So that's good, well, right? So what do you okay? Well, I mean, because men might you know how they are. You know how we do. Those pervs. You, you know how we, we're all pervs. We're all maximum pervs. We can't handle it. There's a certain amount. We, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm being a slightly yeah. hyperbolic, but yeah. really, I'm just trying to push all the way to one side and then try mm-hmm. to come back to reality reasonably. Yeah. What is it that we can and can't handle? And if so, if it's that big of a deal, what are they getting wrong with the burkas and the keeping women separate and not letting them speak? I mean, yeah. that's that's no. just a farther version of, of, of modesty culture, isn't it? Totally. And so wh- all I'm saying is whatever's bad about that yeah. is less so, but also some of the same badness in, in modesty culture, right? There's some shame p- placed there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm not. Maybe, maybe we're not on the same page mm-hmm. because you're talking about why do we um you're talking about specifically like women being shamed to dress better so that their brothers technically mm-hmm. won't stumble right. right and to me i'm like 
that's stupid. Why is it stupid? That's what I'm, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, it, that's, it's just the whole thing. Well, I mean, I used to believe that, but mm-hmm. I think it's stupid and because I, I'm sure I did too. We can't, it's just like the whole rape thing. Just because a girl who's dressed sexy, mm-hmm. um, if she gets raped or roofied and raped, mm-hmm. and people start saying that she brought that on herself because how she was dressing, right. like I think that's ridiculous, right? Right. And the sad part is, I probably would have thought that a few years ago. Like, I wouldn't have vocalized it, but in my heart, I would have been like, mm-hmm. well, then she probably shouldn't have dressed like that if she didn't want all that sexual attention, like guys trying to get in right. her pants, you know? Right. So that's what sucks. I feel, I know both sides. Yeah. It's gross. But, the, but, that, it, but that is true. So now we know, like, we've got it in our culture now, you don't, you're not supposed to victim blame. We know that. Mm-hmm. So then that's good. Yeah. But it, it's still there. Like, what I'm saying is the impulse is not, if you have that impulse, it's not because scripture told you to have that impulse. Mm-hmm. That's built into us. Mm-hmm. Our natural thing to do would be blame a victim or keep. That's actually. I'm just. I'm just saying it happens naturally in culture. Mm-hmm. Now we use scripture and say, "Well, the Bible is clear on this." So that to me is a, a little funny. So we got to be careful. And and like Joey kept saying and. and stuff here's the best way to think about it is just really what do you want for your for your daughter mm-hmm. i mean you have one daughter right yeah yeah and i've got two mm-hmm. and i've got to think about it soberly here you know what do i want them to think about their what is the real i'm mm-hmm. i want to take take what the evangelical culture says and then lay that to the side for a moment and actually think about it a little bit. That's what I'm trying to do. And yeah. I think that's what Joey's saying. When, this was his idea to do this. And I think that's what he was doing. I got to look at that. Like, what do I really want for my daughter? What do I really want her to think? And what message is it really sending to tell her, if you dress wrong, it can be bad for you because it can be bad. And it's you being bad right, because right. of your parts and Absolutely. what might happen. And you know how men, I, I don't, what am I start training them about men, I mean, I get the whole thing. I'll protect my daughter with a shotgun, and mm-hmm. she'll never leave the house without wearing a skirt. And right. I don't, I don't, I think that is harmful. I mean, it's starting. I'm starting to think that sounds harmful. That's not really what I want for my daughters. Yeah, and I mean, and it's not even just in Christian culture, right? This is I see this everywhere. Yeah. You That's know? what I'm saying. I don't I, think it has any, th- almost yeah. anything to do with Christianity. Right. It's just used that way. I think I, I could be wrong about. Well, that. Well, I'll tell you what. What I know what happens when someone tells you, you don't dress like that is that I think girls start to um, believe that there's something wrong with them, right? Yeah. Tell me about your experience that way. Like how, when were you ever, did you ever, did you grow up feeling that or like, how does that like, Oh oh my God. In Asian culture, man. Well, here's the thing though. Like in Asian culture, it's kind of like my mom, my mom was always hounding me about everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was just one of those other things that she's just trying to teach me wisdom about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and there is some wisdom there. She, did, she didn't want mm-hmm. me, she wanted, it wasn't a sexualized thing, but what she honed in on was, I want you to dress appropriately for what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to church, don't dress in jeans and cut off shorts. Mm-hmm. Wear like some nice slacks and wear something that isn't going to show your midriff, mm-hmm. right? Don't show cleavage. Um, and some of that to me, it's not too out of line because you're not even supposed to go to like work like that either. Right. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's just no, have some common sense when you're getting dressed. And I think that's fine. But I think what is different now and what I'm going to do differently with my daughter is that instead of telling her that don't dress like this because someone's going to stumble, um, I don't want to make it about 
her sexuality or another man's sexuality. Right, yeah. Like, period. I just want to leave that part out. And I want sure to tell her. there's and appropriateness. It's not right. like go into your job interview and wear your bikini, right? Exactly. But bikinis are fine at the beach, aren't right. they? Right. Well, depends on who you're with, right? Because some, I mean, I even know some dude who his uh, son, he had a, his son had a girlfriend over or like just an, uh, just a regular friend. That's a girl. And she was in a bikini and he ended up telling him next time your friend comes over, tell her that at this house, we only wear one piece bathing suits and mm-hmm. it needs to be more appropriate. Mm-hmm. And the girl was like, okay, whatever, you know? But I think even that I was like, what? I would be kind of, what? I would be kind of upset if some, I mean, I don't know how I'd feel like that. I mean, if my daughter went somewhere and wore a bathing suit, I don't want that criticized by other people when she's swimming. I don't, that just, that's like, I'd be pretty angry if somebody made my, if she came home and said, Daddy, so-and-so told me don't wear this because they could see my stomach. Yeah. I'm, I would be pretty upset You'd about that. You'd be pissed that. about it, I think yeah. I would. And what would you say? Don't go back there? Or go back there and wear whatever I, you I want? I would try, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I yeah. haven't really thought that far, yeah. but I just, my impulse, I think, would be not... I think my impulse would be that's you can it's okay to wear that mm-hmm. it's fine and if and if anybody has a problem with it that's I would my alarm would go off that that's a weird person or an insecure person or a overly it, at best overly legalistic person right but that's not a, that's not good or normal I don't want to accept that as normal really yeah. like you know to I, I just I don't know I mean I've I've changed my opinion on that I guess a little bit over time but it's just what feels logical to me now. So if you had a son though, and his he brought a girl over, and she was in like a string bikini, and she's like eighteen years old, twenty mm-hmm. years old, you wouldn't say anything. Well, what for? Say to what? I mean, like I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say anything. I mean, you but, know, there, I mean, I can judge anybody I want for their a- actions or, or whatever. I can have my own opinions, but I don't see why that what that has to do with tell you know telling them or or trying to hold other people to some standard. I mean, if somebody wants to, if a woman wants to do that thing where she paints. Her body or free the nipple. Yeah. yeah, whatever. I, it's okay. I mean, I'm not, I don't think we need to shut that down, like uh, government wise or um, social pressure wise. And then if you want to decide in your family how you, what you think is okay, that's fine. I mean, you know, I mean, that everybody's fair, fair enough on that yeah. at least. But yeah, I don't, you know, I wouldn't, I don't, it's fine with that, what other people want to do within, within reason to me at least. I think part of it though is that. I mean, it, it can feel of not. I've seen women dress ways that I thought, well, that's a bad choice or uh-huh. something. I mean, that's true. Yeah. And I mean, there's an impulse of me that says, why would you dress that way? I, I have those. Yeah. But I think, wait a minute, is this my problem? Is this a culture problem? Is it possible that they're healthy? And I guess what this boils down to that really freaks me out is, what do you really think about your daughter's sexual sexuality? Like, the bias would be always be to be. I hope it's. I'd like to suppress it some. Right. Like, I want my daughter to be not super sexual, like maybe less than that. Right. I don't want her to be, you know what I mean? Like, but I do know what but you I, mean. I, but I, I don't know if that's a good impulse, really. I'm not, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. overall, if you could have every parent say, do you want your child to be very sexually aware <laughs> and have high sex drive? Every parent would turn that down. Well, but turn that the question down, is why? But right. why? Why? It, right. That's the question. Is it so you look better to your friends? It's scary. Okay. I mean, it's scary. But I don't know that it's not healthy. I'm just saying it scares me, but that's about me. Yeah. Oh man, it's what's interesting though is I'm I'm going through this transformation of I, I used to be very like, mm-hmm. well, this is what sexuality is supposed to look like. It's in a marriage, and you should be ashamed or you know repent for be all this. Be ashamed until you get married. Yeah, right. be ashamed exactly. until you get married. But it's like, <laughs> well, then we're fucked right. pretty much, right? Yeah. Until we get married, because. Uh, 
our bodies turn on pretty early on. Right. I would say average, 12 years old, maybe. At but least. Yeah. yeah, right. So it's just kind of, I don't know. I think there is a way to cultivate your kid's sexuality in a way that's healthy. But but that to me, that means more, I mean, Christian people won't like what I say, though. No, that's okay. I'm you know? just saying, I mean, just, I mean, you had to say what you think, which is the precarious spot I always find myself in. I'm trying to say what I think. Yeah. I'm trying to look I'm at trying. it. I'm trying. And it, I don't know. Yeah, I want to be open to it because I know that where I'm landing right now is probably not where I'm going to be in a few months. But I'm swinging way from that conservative sexuality, Christianity, mm-hmm. into, okay, what would it look like for me to actually uh, cultivate and be proud and not be ashamed whatsoever about my sexuality? But that's hard for you because you, you grew up a, a way that you now think, you know what I mean? Like, you can't even imagine what it would have been like to grow up with healthy, healthy non-fear-based open, yeah. parenting. That's what we kind of don't really, I mean, there's a, <laughs> we don't really see that that much. Mm-hmm. So we don't even really know if, I, mean, I don't even know if it's better or not, but I'm saying we don't have much d- data on what that would yeah. even look like yeah. to not make kids ashamed of their sexuality because it's just na- pretty natural for us but to do But you know what's parents. interesting, though? Our, as parents, I, like even mine, it's not that they shamed me. It's that they were silent. And the way that I read that was shame, shame, shame. Well, but yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so there's maybe it's very possible that one of my parents had a very good sexual, like healthy sexual view on life. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't think they did, but it's possible that even actually, no, I feel like if someone actually has a good sexual view, healthy one, that they'll share that with their family. Mm hmm. It just comes off naturally. So, man, I don't know. Okay, so let's just get in the nuts and bolts of what do you think is appropriate to do or not do? Or I mean, is it, do you not have the, the feeling like it's, it's really lame, at least, to, to try to control women because of how men are? Like, that vibe is, is yeah, weird, it's right? Gross. It's gross. It is weird. It is weird. And it's very patriarchal, and it's very, like, it's kind of abusive to me. But well, I, well, just tell me how that, what is that, what is well, that? Well, I think part of that is because, I mean, even in Bible times and even in a lot of Christians now, men are the head of the house. Men are the ones responsible. And so I think it's easier for husbands and moms, if they're in that complementarian, or I don't know what you would call it, head of the house mm-hmm. for whatever format, I think it, it makes more sense to teach your wives or wives and kids that way. Because it works. It fits. It fits because you're in it. Everyone else around you is doing the same thing, so it makes sense. There's nothing wrong with it if you're not challenged. I mean, I think what ends up happening is everyone's in that little circle, and they agree with each other, so they don't challenge each other. Mm-hmm. And then anyone that comes out here outside of the circle, because it's unknown and it's different, mm-hmm. they say, no, that's demonic. That's wrong. That's, that's of the right world. Yeah. You're not whole. That's right. not what God wants, you know? And so this is me right here. I'm right here right but now. That, but see, that whole, that whole thing is, a, is, a, is like a game in a way. That it's like nobody knows they're playing a game. Mm-hmm. It, it feels weird to me because everybody is behaving similarly, and there's a huge— uh, it's almost like there's an incentive to be more conservative than the other people. Like there's no value in being—in in conservative and evangelical culture, there's like no value in, in, in pushing a limit, it, it really only hurts you in that closed circle. Mm-hmm. And if you become, exactly. uh, if you're slightly more conservative than the next guy, it makes you look more like 
the leadership. It looks it makes you more. It, it just it, there's a reward built in, and mm-hmm. I be, really believe it's subconscious. Mm-hmm. I really believe it's built into the system itself. Mm-hmm. But the more conservative approach you take, you now are it, there's a re, there's just a built-in reward for it, and so you come up with the, these things kind of are, are, they're not volitional. They're not intended to shame or hurt women or abuse them. But I think the result is that they do. Is that? Yeah. And I don't, but I don't think women in the church usually, whenever they're in that circle, they don't usually see it that way. I, I, yes, that's They true. think of it as I'm being protected by the men who that's love right. me and want to serve and, and, me. And, and there's know? plenty of, of Muslim women that mm-hmm. say this, oh, this, I choose to wear this. Now, I don't know if they really choose to wear that though from, do you really think that's a good choice or that they freely make or you, or do you think it's the only viable choice that they could make and they tell themselves why they make it? Do you know well, what I mean? Well, I think they function within that family and to be functioning in a certain family that has certain views, you have to buy into it and you right. have to you believe ha- it. Not really you, have, you don't really choice. have an option. Right. If you want to be in that family, you got to you got to believe it. But I also think that there is something that happens often. Um, there's, you know, that Sue lady that wrote, um, life, the secret life of bees. Mm-hmm. She also wrote this one book called, uh, the dance of the dissonant daughter. And she even talks about like, she was in this church and she's just kind of her eyes open to this patriarchy. Right. And I'm not, we don't need to go on that. Cause it's not all about that, but there's something that happens when women wake up mm-hmm. inside, like within, like it's a soul waking up. And I don't know if a lot of people talk about it, but it happens enough that, and there is people in the church who kind of wake up that way and just kind of see things differently. Mm-hmm. And they may still be in the circle and they may still be around, but they're trying to figure out a way to navigate to the end of the, or like to the edge, right? So they can like kind of feel the freedom. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Well, no, not really. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's a little it's a little vague to me. But I believe you, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not that in touch with women. I'm not a feminist. I mean, I don't know. I mean, people define feminism different ways and stuff. But I'm not trying to advocate for even women. I'm just trying to look at it logically. And I was curious from your point of view if you feel like, you know, if you feel like. With all the stuff that you do on free sex, mm-hmm. and you see so many women going into marriage, and they have a super hard time sexually, and isn't that, isn't that evangelical culture's fault? Or I'm sorry, I keep leading you, but do you, do you, do you not think that? No, I do. Of course. I T- mean, it's... tell me what your experience is, and what fr- as as a woman, and with the women that you talk to, and there's mm-hmm. all these honeymoon problems. Tell me what they are, and and yeah. how you see that. Well, a lot of them don't know. Well, the big one is that women don't know how to orgasm. If they have not touched themselves or if they have not been able to reach orgasm with their newly wed husband, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's years, like up to 10 years unless someone actually – actually, there's many women who probably have never orgasmed before. Um, so that – and then there's like this weird shame around trying to discover how to orgasm, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're told you can't masturbate. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do it, you have to do it with your husband. But they also don't have a framework of how to do that yet. So they have to learn how to communicate, learn how to not be... Well, first, it's not even communication. They have to fix all the things they learned about sex, all the dirty feeling that comes with being open to sex, right? Uh And so then they have to change what they believe and really start believing, no, sex is a good thing. This is a gift from God. Because, but how does that, how, like, isn't it in the parenting and even the way I believe, or at least I'm supposing that it's even in the way we coach women into how they should dress and say, 
watch out for boys. They're this way. Yeah. And make sure you wear long. Oh, those are, don't do that. That's people with, you know, that's your dirty parts. I mean, all that kind of stuff is like all contributes to this. Oh, absolutely. And then there's people like me who grew up that way, yet still had sexual like awakening when I was younger. Right. So then it's all shame. Like, oh, my God, I am the most sinful person. Mm-hmm. I'm so dirty. God, take this away from me. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed and so ashamed. And then realizing it actually wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. It wasn't. And so how will that impact you raising your daughter? Um, I think that if she learns how to masturbate or early, like uh-huh. here's what I do now. She's little, so I'm not like, but I'm like, yeah, that's your vagina. Like I mm-hmm. tell her what it is. Mm-hmm. And if she's like, she's like, my vagina hurts. I'm like, I know you should, let's wash it. So it's not like getting sticky and dirty from pee or something. Right. Um, And I think I'm not saying I want her to like go off and be like highly sexual because I think once you awaken that, then it keeps going and going and going. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want to stifle her sexuality because I think it's something that is. And I know I'm going to sound very feminist, but this is something it's a part of us. Like, why should we have to? Why should we have to mute it? So well, that do, well, how is it different from from boys and girls? Do boys, uh, you know, boys are, are shame. That's I mean, it's weird too because guys are told, you know, it gets super technical. You bounce your eyes. You do this. You don't. If you look at porn, you're dead. I mean, or I, even that seems like overdone, overblown to me in a way that seems unhealthy. And you've got all these whole culture of people that are overly paranoid and anxious about something that we've created like it's just the whole thing's a taboo so it's how you dress and if you look at porn and boys are this way and girls do this and all that seems like a lot of energy it's that thing where with kids you just your anxiousness and your energy they they receive it and it does all kind of crazy stuff to them that's what it seems like to me i think so do you think it's different though for guys like do you think you're going to parent your son different than your daughter I ain't got no son yet, but That's if I what get I'm one, saying, but when you get yeah. one, <laughs> if I get one, I mean, yeah, I parent them different. I'm like, yeah, I'm super good with, you know, men and women being different. I mean, they're different, whatever. But it feels to me like a the the thing where, you, you know, it's men are a certain. They're just a, they seem to be allowed to get away with a lot, and then I, that specifically I'm talking about is making it sound like it's the woman's fault for mm-hmm. how she dresses. Mm-hmm. That's just specifically, I, I think that's unacceptable. I have a question, though. So if your wife has, like, if she looks hot, uh-huh. do you want her to, like, cover up when she goes out at all? Well, if I do, I, I kind of want to check that impulse a little bit mm-hmm. because I don't know. I mean, what? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, what? Maybe it'd be fun. I don't know. Maybe she'd like it. <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she wants to go out. Maybe it'd be good. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's an unnatural feeling to me. I'm just trying to think think about it yeah. clearly. Like what? Like if we got together and she wanted to dress slutty, it might be fun. Right? Yeah. I think so too. But it's not like, we're not saying go dress like that <laughs> right, at I know. church. Because it's just, you don't go to your grandpa's funeral looking of like. Well, I mean, but the thing is, that's the thing. I think when we're looking at like modesty culture, I think what it is, it's a lot of uh People who think they're more mature Christians, Mm -hmm. and they might not be. They just think they are, Mm -hmm. right? Trying to help 
slash control yeah. what the other Christians are doing. Yes, and that's it's what all I just feel. like, I feel it, like it's I feel all about the like control. The, the whole thing's a little bit of a control pyramid. That's, that's right. It feels to me like somebody gets a claim, like, I know this, and this is better than that, and now I'm here to top down, explain that to other people and limit their freedom and me control them more. And that's good. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, it sounds crazy. Of course there's wisdom in the Bible and there's wisdom and modesty is not a bad quality. It's not bad to be modest. It's not mm-hmm. bad to be humble. It's not bad to, you know, underdress, but, or overdress, or I don't know what the term would be there, but it's not bad to do any of those things if it's really your free choice to do mm-hmm. but but it uh it, it just strikes me funny like obviously a bathing suit is okay right if you're swimming yeah so well i mean but some people will only wear one piece or okay. a tankini but is that right? but but if okay i'll put it this way if if a girl wore something that was low cut short short shorts and slightly low cut whatever tank top to a high school event or college or whatever we're talking about mm-hmm. adult i don't even care where they would receive kind of criticism and some christian would tell them uh you're causing your brothers out there to stumble that's still mo- way more covered up than a one-piece bathing suit right so it's not like we think if a guy sees some a girl in a one-piece bathing suit he will get a boner that he must satisfy with ejaculation that's not <laughs> that's not true it's just not true. Right. Because we, you know, so what does it matter about your shorts length if when you go to the pool, a one-piece bathing suit is okay? Okay. And, well, it's so. It's just illogical. And, but the question, though, there is, like, is it true that men will see that or young boys or men or even, te- you know, teenagers, they'll all see that and remember it in their Rolodex like everyone always talks about? Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I mean, so what? And what are you going to do? No swimming then. It's over. Yeah. We got to be, I mean, we're just not doing that then. Well, but I don't think it has to be like that. It's, I really think it's very simple. Use common sense. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has so their own simple. responsibility. Right. Like uh, to, to what, I mean, you, I mean, if, I mean, if you live in a bubble where all the girls stay covered up all the time and uh, whatever, I mean, you're not, and, and everybody tells you, if you, su- if you see a girl with cleavage, you're, I mean, you're going to be in big trouble. You, I mean, it's going to be bad for you. I mean, and if you and if you see it and you have two looks, or if you masturbate to it, I mean, this is really bad stuff. Yeah. If you, that that that's sh- that, in fact that's actually causing shame on the boys too. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's give it's in some way giving boys a pass and shaming causing shame in them both. I mean, I feel both are happening at the same mm. time. And for women, it seems that they fully bear the brunt of of the shame. Yeah. Like they actually think their boobs and vagina and clitoris is bad. Mm-hmm. They, I think they think that. Well, a lot is that, of them is that do. your experience? Well, that people, a lot of them a lot do, of, yeah. yeah. Um, but I also think, I mean, I think a good question that comes up for me, though, too, is like, if, so let's say a woman is dressing like that, okay? What is, like, what's the reasoning behind it, right? Is it for attention? Is it well, to get second looks? Is it because she feels confident in her body? Well, is it because it's I, hot I would, outside? I would suggest to you that as the observer on the sidewalk, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And what else can you do about that? You just don't know. I just think okay, it could, so yeah. where, where I mean, I don't even know where your judgment comes in on a, a girl walking down the sidewalk. Right. Maybe it's you a mean hot like day. as I a mean, man, you don't know what her. No, I don't think yeah. anybody knows. So like, you don't know. 
like what what is what is the place for your judgment on somebody yeah. else's clothes like in a log in a logical sense is what i'm saying maybe it is hot maybe they are comfortable maybe they're very healthy and they're okay with it maybe they're super insecure and were abused and are trying to attract negative attention from men because they don't know any better i don't know all i know is her shorts are halfway up her thigh and now do i need to leap to judgment butt, do i need yeah. to blame her is it her fault now what i do i, I mean I, I don't draw the, those lines is it is it her fault no, I mean it, it doesn't seem logical. Mm-hmm. I it, it, it mean, you know, th- there's a sense in what I, when I would like to say that, yeah, that would feel satisfying to me to go. Well, that's she shouldn't have done that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's easy to to go there. But I also think there's something that we do in the church too, where any type of sexualness is bad. Period. Right. Right. And so even if you notice that a girl is attractive, oh well, shame on you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it has to be like that. I think everyone is attracted to everybody. Well, not everybody, but I feel like someone is attracted to seventy <laughs> percent of the people out there. I think I've thought similar things. You know? I, I I said this to myself the other day. I said there's a certain amount of sexual tension or energy between all people. It's just higher or lower. Like there, there's not any exactly. situation where there's not some something like it's, it could be zero to a hundred or whatever you want yeah. to call it. It could be a one, mm-hmm. or it could be 99, you know, exactly. but it, it's, there's not, you know, it's, it's just, there's a certain amount, you know, it's of it. true. I think that's really true. And I don't so think you might we as well to... learn how to deal with it as I, opposed exactly. to, as opposed to say, yes. don't allow, don't let the attraction oh thing turn God. on. Right. Like, Oh, if you do a certain thing, who knows what it is? The rules would certainly change culture to culture, time to time, decade right. to decade on mm-hmm. what is a turn-ons. And right. I don't know how we're going to police that. And I do believe that there's sexual, I mean, okay, there's homosexual, right? So now it's like, do I got to worry about in the locker room if I yeah, if my muscles look too good <laughs> with the other guys because there may be other gay guys well, But it's like, there. I mean, I feel the same way. I see women looking at me. Like, I know I know the women yeah. who are attracted to me. You can tell. So it's not even about men or women anymore. It's just like, like let's just, somehow. can't we just accept that we all are sexual? Oh, either avoid that, it entirely and you'll crash and burn. There's yes. taboos. You have the dark side. Mm-hmm. Or you got to learn to actually deal with it. And not even a bad deal with it, yeah. right? Like, there's some points where I go, yeah, like, just, I, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe it's, it might, I don't think, I want to say it's easier for women to deal with it quicker, but I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think it's labeling Christian women incorrectly. I think women do also struggle with sexual, whatever, anything sexual, because they're sexual beings Imagine as well. They do, yeah. yeah. But it's like it's more taboo for women to deal with that. Yes, so, right, and that's not fair. At no, least. so it's there's not. a. I understand the movement to try to equalize it. I don't know. I mean, it confuses me a little bit. But in general, in evangelical and Christian culture, it's definitely heavy toward. There's a reward for being more conservative, but there's a. I think there's a harmful element to it, and it's just that's just the way that it, it seems to me a little bit like. Uh, who who will be in better standing in the church? The person that says, uh, God has healed me and I can't lust anymore. There's no more lust for me. It's been seven years, it's been a hundred years, whatever it is, since I've so holy. anything. Yeah. Or the person that says, I, you know, I've been married for five years and there's been at least four occasions where I could not believe the sexual chemistry I was having with another person. But mm-hmm. I, hadn't, I didn't do anything actual physically, but my mm-hmm. gosh. Like, yeah, what's more authentic? Yeah. Uh, the latter. Yeah. And everyone that hears it will know that the latter is more real. 
but there's only one way in, in any kind of leadership or Christian culture. There's one of those works and the other one just doesn't really function in, yeah. in, in the culture. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. So that's, but I think I d- it's a problem. But I do but think that it's changing. I hope it is. I, I think, think it may be. I think there is actually a lot of change happening. Um, and a lot of people are pissed about it because they're seeing that they think that because people are going that way of being more vulnerable and being more honest and not labeling every single thing as sin that we must be walking away from what the bible and jesus is telling right. us and, and maybe I, just, I, I mean yeah i understand that point of view i do understand that point of view because mm-hmm. I, I mean i wouldn't i mean i've i've moved a great deal like I, I remember when we started the bad christian podcast i would had i was avoiding riding in cars with women or something. I remember being at Mars Hill and it's like, hey, that girl's singing with you. Make sure you're not ever in the room alone together. That's fine, but it, it, it's, it's way less, If I feel like it's unfair and to more unfair to the women because it's never that way with guys. It's just, it's all, always about the woman being the dangerous element. Mm-hmm. That's what Jezebel it always... or something? Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. just, it's always like, well, it's, it's the equation always is the woman's there and that she possesses the danger. She is the danger. Now, and if you ever directed it, say, what, you, you think she's dangerous? You think she's trying... No, I'm not saying that, but the implicit, I mean, the implications are that the woman is the dangerous force in, of sexuality. And that's the way that always feels. Three years ago, I don't think I'm sitting here with you at nine o'clock at night in my studio. Right. I was actually going to ask you yeah. about that. I was thinking about that coming over here. Yeah. Like, is this wife cool with us just being able to record without a third party in the room? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have been comfortable with it mm-hmm. a few years ago, but now I'm like, it's fine. Like, it doesn't. Well, ha- it, it doesn't it's. I feel the responsibility sexual. to try to make it fine. Even. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a bad idea. I don't know. It's just. I, you know, I know this is a really cool studio. I've got really awesome lighting. lighting. I mean, it's really, this is pretty cool. So yeah. I, I get it. But, you know, I feel the need to try to, I don't know. I, I mean, I get it. But there's something to it. But it's not It's not worth it to me. Like, it's got to be my responsibility to step it up. I and mean, Reva works here every day. Yeah, We're in this yeah. office all day, every uh-huh. day. It's me and me, she, there's other people around. I could try to explain it away. But I feel like I'd be playing into something where I'm trying to, act holy or do a thing or posture in a way but it's not with I'm not really willing anymore to to limit I mean really it comes down to in the if you think about the workforce like that's really limiting like it'd be easier for me to hire a guy not Reva it'd be easier for me to podcast and the guy not you it'd be easier and everybody would like it better everybody would think I did the right thing and then you don't have this opportunity and she doesn't have that opportunity that's easier mm-hmm. and it's so I feel some obligation to try to make sure it's my responsibility to be a responsible person or learn to handle it. Yeah. So that's well, that's kind of what I'm key, acting right? on. Yeah. I think that people just have to learn to handle it. And if you can't you handle practice, it. practice, right? Yeah, you do <laughs> okay. have to practice. And the part about it, too, is if you can't handle it, that's one thing. If you try and you can handle it, good. Good for you. Like, I if actually, I knew I couldn't handle it, then I wouldn't or shouldn't. And right. somebody else should tell me something, Well, right? but it's yeah. like, what are you afraid of? What do you think is going to happen? Is there going to be, like, the spark of intimacy and sexual chemistry? It's like, possible. Is that what you're afraid of? Right. Well, then don't meet with them alone, right? Like, Not, I don't. It, it, it kind of falls apart if you really analyze it. But all I'm saying is, yeah. even if there's truth to it, the, the net result is women negatively impacted in the sense of at least opportunity. I feel like right? you're more feminist than I am. Maybe. Maybe. I'm, I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be. I'm just trying to set aside stuff and try to look at it objectively. That's all I'm trying to do. But 
No, I do commend you, though, for meeting with me first <laughs> alone with really great lighting. And two, because it's like you're trying to find the other side. Like, I feel like you're open enough to try things. And I think that's really good and healthy, even if it's scary and dangerous to some other people and maybe even to yourself. But I think this is the kind of stuff that we have to ask Christians, evolving Christians, um, have to work through, especially with culture these days. Like, we're not going to be able to stay in this little circle. And we're, I mean, some right. of us are trying no, to hold it so point. tight. Yeah. And it's going to, you're, yeah, by holding yeah. yourself so tight, people can't come in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and if you, if that's your, if that's your jam, I think that's fine too. Like if that's the community you need and you want to be in, I think that's cool. But then if you're trying to reach other people, like, like, right. You know? I mean, it's not, I mean, I think all that's reasonable. It's just hard to talk about. And I think probably a lot of stuff we've said tonight probably makes us look bad to some people or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I'm just trying to, I'm just, I've forced myself to try to say things that seem obvious, even if they make me sound bad. That's mm -hmm. all I'm trying to do. Yeah. No, that's but great. I don't because know. most people try to look good. Right. And then well, are yeah, not themselves. Right. And, and, I'm, yeah. and of course I do that too. I won't say that I only do the, the, the good thing mm -hmm. as I see it. But yeah, uh, the, it rubs me the wrong way to hear other people try to say things that they know are going to sound good and look good. And the advantage is always going to be with that mentality. Mm -hmm. And I just want to note the consequences of it because there are some or there are many, I, I think. Totally. Candace, I think we're in good shape here. So thanks for coming by. Okay, and that yeah, was Candace from Free Sex Podcast. Good idea for an episode, Joey. I really enjoyed doing both of those conversations. I hope people liked them as much yeah. as I did. For sure. And you, hey, nobody, nobody is able to say, "Oh, you guys talked about female modesty amongst three straight conservatives." I don't know if they talk like that or not. They do. But. They oh. do. You don't hear them. I do. They, no, Every time you do I, an impression about somebody that doesn't like us, like, you talk like this. <laughs> they always are so angry. I want to hear Joey read the tweets from our feed like, hey, guys, really got a lot out of the episode. You did really good. You really yeah. opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Next one. You guys always just talk about <laughs> If it's negative. It's <laughs> Man, really got a lot out of the episode today. Thanks again. Hey, I don't think you three white guys know what you're joking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it is really crazy though with this with this topic <laughs> having having daughters. Man, it is a game changer. I mean, it really is crazy. Just how if I hadn't been rethinking this stuff years ago, and honestly, I, I, maybe I, that's maybe that's going overboard. Maybe just a couple years ago, I mean, you could really put your daughter in not that advantageous of a place in society and just how she views herself and everything so yes i enjoyed all of that learned a lot and uh folks that are kind of responsible for bringing you this episode by joining the bcclub.com is jeffrey curtis poor joss shelton grant ritchie benjamin evan calkins stephen dunigan and gerard vermulen Thank you guys for joining the BC Club. These guys went to thebcclub.com, and uh, th there's a page that you could go there just to check out, honestly, the different folks that contribute to this podcast from their time and energy and expertise point of view, little profiles of people that make Bad Christian happen. And if you're not able to join the Bad Christian Club, I know Matt's mentioned this before, and it's actually a really good idea. Go leave us a review or a rating on iTunes because that's helpful as well because we are trying to take over the whole wide world, mm -hmm. and we need your help.
That is right. Yep. Sounds good to me. Uh, anything else I want to tell you about would probably just be to, if you missed it, if you hadn't heard it, check out the labeled podcast that, that we do oh, for yeah. Tooth and Nail. We just had an episode about Emory, so I know we got a lot of Emory fans here. We did the last episode that was out covers Emory's beginnings and where we came from and the redneck rural area. We, me, Devin, Toby, Joel, and Seth all live a few miles from each other and somehow figured out how to <laughs> make a band and get to the West Coast and get signed. It's pretty, pretty, pretty entertaining listen. So go check that out. And the other thing Emory related is this is all born out of a book that Aaron Lunsford is writing about Emory. So he's written a whole book about us as the expert on the topic, spent hundreds and hundreds of hours with us and he's kind of done the uncomfortable thing and written something similar to an unauthorized biography where he just wrote about how we work and the personal dynamics and there's a chapter on each band member and why they're crazy and you know a bunch of stories in there so it's a pretty entertaining read if you want to look into what a band and what this band specifically is like and that's emorybook.com and that's all I got yep yeah I'm doing True Man Texas at early September uh, it's like September 7th through the 9th, I believe. And so check it out. Email me at tobybadchristian at gmail.com if you want more info, dudes. And I know there's people right now just sitting there going, Oh, another white guy trying to talk to white men. Oh, my God. <laughs> the problem with that is too many characters on Twitter for those held out things. <laughs> it's like seven O's in each word. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, see y'all later. Let me ask you a question. Do you like quality products? If the answer to that is yes, which I assume it is, then head on over to bc.supply. We've got high-quality products made in the USA from several different independent companies all across the United States. Head on over there right now and enter promo code BCPOD, that's B-C-P-O-D, at checkout and get 15% off your entire order. That's bc.supply, enter promo code BCPOD at checkout to get 15% off. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.